Abba Yahweh, my, my Father, to bless the reading of your word and the sharing with my brothers and sisters for your truth, knowledge, and wisdom for their edification and uplifting from your encouragement, Father. Forgive any shortcomings, Father, that it is all about your word and your glory and your truth. Abba Yahweh, Amen. Yeshua, Amen. Thank you, Father, for straightening that out. Um, brothers and sisters, understand that um, things that God does, I've shared with you before, I love the confirmation and things that he shows me, and this is uh, what he brought to me. It was just confirmation of what I was already sharing with you. Um, and I love it when he does that. They're very similar to signage along the highway, that when you're going on a certain route, on a certain highway, you're seeing signs that tell you half a mile to so-and-so, uh, you know, two more miles to Tucumcari, uh, half a mile to Tucumcari. So you know you're getting closer. You know that you're supposed to watch for the exit sign. You know that if there's a detour in the road that you need to follow that direction because consequences ensue if you do not. If you don't make your exit sign, um, just like, uh, when I drove commercially, there were some places, and when you're out in the driving along the top of the Poconos, out there in the middle of the night, and you miss the turn, um, because sometimes the signage for the road that you needed to be on is very small, so you need to be aware, and you miss that, well, it's not so easy to turn around a 72-foot-long vehicle you have a 53-foot trailer, and then you have about another 20 feet of a tractor that's attached to that out there in front that you're pulling down the road, and you have a two-lane road, and they don't have turnarounds up there, and you can't just go down some side road like as if you're in a, a downtown area and make a square turn and go around. You don't know where these roads are going to lead to. They may just continue to go out in the middle of the stick somewhere and you're going to keep on driving and keep on driving. Well, consequently, I've done that a couple times up there in the middle of those very, very dark mountains. No overhead lighting, nothing. And you don't see that road until you're right smack on top of it. And unfortunately, times it's not easy to just stop and you know back up <laughs> you got to be very very cautious in doing these things especially with something that's 72 feet long so anyway enough of that said but the confirmation that god gives I, I love these things and and i love his word i love when he does this it just excites me greatly so brothers and sisters as i was talking about the enemy and um, his reality. Um, you know, this, this word came from God um, to me and the Spirit was got me thinking about these things. Historically, you see that many empires that existed did not fall because of some great siege or uh, machinations of warfare that came at them, 
they fell from within. Um, you have, um, you know, that it was uh, from issues that were caused by uh, their own hands or by treachery from within, but somehow it happened from within. Um, there are those that have studied the Roman Empire and uh, say that the ultimate downfall was because they had developed so many different things that were uh, advanced and far beyond. And what some have studied is that the uh, moving of water, which they developed the aqueducts and different ways to move water, um, was actually their ultimate downfall and that they were the first ones to uh, develop and use piping and then they found lead. And this is a theory, of course, that, that many actually come to believe is true. Um, and that they developed this moving of the water and they used lead in a lot of their uh, piping. When they were doing the clay, there was lead content and that they actually used lead itself and formed... Uh, conduits to carry the water. Well, we know that lead is not a good thing to have in your system. It will kill. So there are those that hold to that theory. And then, uh, of course, there was numerous betrayals. I mean, goodness gracious, there were, you know, Caesar uh, wrote a letter to his I believe it was his grandson or his nephew, and I, had, I think it was his grandson, that uh, he was warning his grandson because he thought that his grandson was going to be next in line to be Caesar of Rome. Um, and it was actually a quotation that I used at one time because of a political issue that was going on and one that I wasn't liking very well. Um be wary of he who beats the drums of war and the name of patriotism. Be wary of he who beats the drums of war and the name of patriotism because you will give up all that you own. Nay, you will give all that you possess and you will do so gladly to him that beats the drums of war. Be wary of he who beats the drums of war in the name of patriotism. I know wherefrom I speak for I have done this very thing. I am Julius Caesar. Now that was in a letter, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> that he wrote the night before he was assassinated by members of his own Senate. And remember, they've used this in films and different things too. Et tu, Brute? You too, Brutus? You betray me as well? So... They utilized Brutus, who was a close friend and a guardian and, and, uh, of Julius Caesar, and they utilized him to stab him. And ultimately, he assassinated and killed Julius Caesar, which was a plot and plan of his Senate because they didn't like the fact that he was taking all their money and making them be part of the country and, and taking part in, in everything they were going on. <laughs> uh, excuse me, again, I'm going to step outside of history for a minute there. And you look around and see what's happening in our own country. Do we not have 
political entities that are doing that very thing, they're all upset because they're not willing to give up what they've been taking from the people. And this is what they did to Julius Caesar. They didn't like the fact that they had to be a part of the nation and actually do their fair share because they were used to being very wealthy. And they were going to take that away from them. So they assassinated him. Hmm. Pause to wonder. So that's as it was there. And then you had in the Japanese um, and their empire, you had the emperor and he had what they call the shogunate or the shoguns where they're his war leaders and, and shogun. Man, I, I lived in Japan for a couple of years and it's a really powerful thing. And the samurai, the bushido, that they believe in, their creed is uh, very, very powerful. But the shogunate were the ultimate warlords and they were the ultimate samurai and the samurai that they had working for them. I mean, they would literally do anything for the emperor. And you had these different factions that were warring and for the sake of the empire and for the good of all, as the claim was. And you had treachery that took place between the shogunate and then they had bargains, they had deals and then, and this was going on and came from within, which caused the disarray and the crumbling of that empire. And then of course you remember one of the most profound emperological desires from Adolf Hitler. He was going to take over the world and, uh, his demise was partly because of the hierarchy that he had. Uh, they were able to see into his madness and they helped to stop his machination of warfare against the entire world, which is what he was going to do. Basically, he was going to take on the entire world. And they saw through this thing. Now, you have to understand, brothers and sisters, I bring that up because our enemy, who again, I will say that Jesus Christ told his disciples that he is very real. And why would Jesus Christ give us authority over serpents and scorpions if they were not real? And again, I share with you that that is Bible speak for demons He's not talking about going out and stomping on snakes that slither on the ground and scorpions that skitter around. There are people that live in places that don't even have any scorpions, and they rarely see any snakes. Hawaii has no venomous snakes whatsoever. I'm not even sure if there are any snakes on the island of Hawaii. Talk to my niece and my nephew and find out. But there are no venomous snakes on the entire island of Hawaii. They have some nice, not nice insects, but brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ gave authority over those things and he wasn't talking about those that are literally out slithering on the ground. I've shared this with you before and you can double check it again. Remember I told you to try my spirit. I'm not gonna make things up and, and tell you that it's this if it's that. Jesus Christ was not talking about actual serpents and actual scorpions. He was talking about the authority over them and they are the demons that work for the enemy, Satan. 
They slither around on their bellies, sneaky like snakes, and skittering into the shadows like scorpions. And they will sting and they will bite. They will torment and taunt. And that's what the demons do. That's their purpose. Satan is a very great tactician. And his fundamental tool, or the one that he uses as the base of 99.99999% of his assaults on anyone and everyone, is the mind. I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters. It is our mind. You look back at David and he has writings in the psalm. A lot of these things were the torment of his mind. But whenever that happened, where did he go? He went to Lord God Almighty. He went to Abba Yahweh. He went to him, the maker of all things made. And he declared to him his power and his majesty and his strength. And he confessed that to God. And he prayed to God. But this is, this is the tactic that Satan uses. He gets in, into the mind. And part of getting into the mind is using that seed that he puts in there to turn others that are within the brethren, the body of the church, however you want to put it, and he convinces them that they shouldn't focus on him, that it's just a, th- a thing, you know, only focusing on the pretty, the nice, and all that. Well, sure, if you focus on all of that, then when he sneaks up and he bites you in your tail end and you have a great swelling and a lot of pain, you're going to say, oh, man, how did that happen? Because you weren't paying attention. Brothers and sisters... We need to pay attention to that guy. He's sneaky. He's wily. And Jesus Christ said it. Peter said it. <clears throat> and he's described them as ravaging wolves that are going out looking hither and yon to see whom they may devour. And as the lion that's out there crashing the bush and making all sorts of noise. And it's, it can be frightening, brothers and sisters. And we don't need to fixate on that, but we need to be aware and know that it's true and by staying true in God's word and that we need to follow. And in doing that, we increase our faith. And herein is another issue that some people have. Well, how's your faith going to grow? How, what do you mean your faith will increase or your faith will grow? You know, oh my gosh, that's, that's not possible. Oh yes, it is entirely possible. Entirely possible. Jesus Christ told the disciples, have you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it'll go. And I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, that a lot of the Bible uses analogies um, to natural things. And I'm not saying that the power of God is not capable, if it is a righteous request, to take a mountain and uproot it and toss it out in the ocean. I'm not saying he can't do that. He can. God can do anything. God can do all things. And it's only necessary that we have faith as a grain of mustard seed. That's pretty small. If you've never seen a a mustard seed, it's pretty darn tiny. Um, 
It's smaller than a flat seed, actually. That's pre- it's pretty small. But our faith can be increased by some of the things that we go through, brothers and sisters, and then God takes it out to the other side. And then, you know, how you... Okay, let's use this analogy. You go to a football game, your favorite college team. I don't watch pro football because they're all a bunch of hypocrites anyway. Um, anyway, sorry about that. Get into my opinionation. Um, but you go to your favorite college game. Me, I love TCU. Great bunch of guys at Christian University, and there a lot of their athletes actually go to my church. And it's pretty cool. So anyway, um, you go up there, and then in the early part of the game, oh, man, it's like, oh, my goodness gracious, it's just terrible. They're getting womp stomped. It's a minus 10 to a plus 20. <laughs> course they don't score that way but you get my drift okay the score differentiation is just terrible and then as halftime approaches they start making a comeback and they start coming back and coming back strong 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 and then the whole second half it's just a domination and then your favorite team wins Woohoo! okay so now you're all joyous and you're all happy and you're you're up you're elevated the same thing with faith there are things that will take you down, but you have to continue having that faith. You hold on to that faith, and then you go through the other side, and it's wahoo. So, brothers and sisters, it is exactly the same thing. It is the same thing. And our faith can be increased. And then you say, you know, when other people are talking about, well, yeah, they did this and that. Yeah, but they won. Yeah, but they won. And they did this and they did that. And then it, and then <laughs> it is what it is. So, brothers and sisters, I bring this to you also. I, I love this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use part of the old scripture um, to share this, just because I like the speech and I like the way it does this. Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel. When uh, God, and I love what they, they I love this, uh, It is, um, they call him Hashim, Lord God. So, as Father God, Yahweh, Hashim, he takes Ezekiel to Valley of Dry Bones. Now there's some different viewing and different thought processes that go on with this. And yes, they're pretty much all correct. <clears throat> and I went a different route. So he takes Ezekiel and he tells him to prophesy over the dry bones. Now, that's biblical speech for preach to them, prophesy. Prophets were preachers. You had some that were traveling preachers, some that that were uh, <laughs> like Elisha, they were... Um, they were kind of fearful of that guy because he was he was a little more active in some of the things that he did. Uh, he knew how to use a sword, and he knew how to use it well. And so did those that worked with him. He's a warrior prophet. Anyway, so Hashim, Lord God, took Ezekiel to the Valley of Dry Bones. 
And he says to them that he needs to prophesy to them and that he needs to declare to them. And when Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the dry bones and God talks to Ezekiel and he asks him, he said, shall these bones rise up and speak again? And Ezekiel is talking with God and they're talking about the dry bones and he says, Father, he says, only you know. He says, only you know that these will happen. And God tells him to speak to the bones or he, he tells him to prophesy to these dry bones and tell them again. To get up and then Ezekiel sees that the sinews and everything are coming on the bones and they're coming together. And it's by his spirit that he's carried to the valley and by his spirit and the breath of God in the valley bones. And is this just for the bringing together of the nation of Israel? This is what some people look at. They look as this as it was the scattering and gathering of all of Israel and coming together as a nation, which ultimately in that time they were scattered and brought them together, and it did. And um, I think I shared with you, I think it was in 1942 or whatever, that they brought together the nation of Israel and decided to give them their own land and, and so forth, and that it was a done thing. And he did prophesy over the dry bones and came together. But here in two brothers is, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> it's not just for the uh, drawing together of the nation, but my thought process on this, is this not how we get the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us and commands that we prophesy and we speak, we preach and we share the good news, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when Ezekiel was told that he would prophesy or preach to them and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That's in Ezekiel 37, 4. So, brothers and sisters, I'm saying that this is the same thing that happens to us. When we get discouraged and we listen to the enemy infiltrate our thought process and our minds and we give up, we become discouraged, we become despondent, and we give up. Are we not like the dry bones? We just fall in a heap and we're just rattling around. And I, I go to church sometime and I look around Oh my gosh, the frowning faces that are there. You're in the house of God. You're gathered together to worship the Lord God, the maker of all things made, Yahweh. Lord God, Adonai, El Shaddai, 
and you're moping around. You got your head slung down. You're looking at the ground and you're shuffling your feet. Oh my gosh, how is that entering to the gates of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, which we're commanded by his word to do? It's like a bunch of rattling old dry bones, brothers and sisters. We need to shake that up. Be bold and don't be afraid. When we become discouraged and fearful, we give up and give in to the enemy. So we surrender our joy and peace, our study time, our prayer time, instead of self-abasement, which means to lower or bring ourselves down, and that we think that we're not worthy or good enough, not well-educated or any other excuse. That's not how God clothed us to be. God desires that we thrive. He created us to be of good courage, strong courage, and he keeps reminding us of that. And yet, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the enemy comes and he attacks us from within. He'll get us to give up those things. I've shared with you this already. Jesus Christ said that they do not have, we have authority. They do not have authority over us. We have the authority. They cannot come in and I, I, man, it drives me sometimes and I have to control myself and guard my tongue, which is what I'm also commanded to do. But I'm telling you now, I am admonishing you. And if you can't deal with that, then that's unfortunate. But to sit and say or stand and say that you've been robbed of your joy, the enemy came and robbed me of my peace, and I'm just so, oh, woe is me. No, that's not truth. The truth is that you surrendered your joy and your peace to the enemy, and you allowed them to carry it away. You gave it up because you became discouraged, and you didn't want to sit and hold on to that shield of faith and pull tight your armor and make sure that it was all in place. So you surrendered your joy. You surrendered your peace. You surrendered your time of study. Brothers and sisters, it happens to me. I, I fall down and instead of getting up and brushing myself off and confessing to my God and repenting of, of what, I get these thoughts that start coming in and saying, you can't get up and share the word with, how are you going to get up and you're going to go out there and do this podcast thing that, that God has you doing? How are you worthy to do that? How are you? And then those thought processes come in and then I rebuke that and I come out and I believe that this is exactly where I need to be. I need to be in prayer. I need to be in thankfulness with God. I need to stand, have time in the word of God. I need to study and I need to share with you brothers and sisters because this is what I am called to do. This is my father's business and to give up on my father's business because the enemy comes into my mindset and tells me that I shouldn't be doing it or that I'm not worthy to do it. Brothers and sisters, we have so many different people that will do that. God created that suit of armor. All we have to do is put it on. And Ephesians 4 is our call to our purpose. That is our call to our purpose, brothers and sisters. In Ephesians 4, 
There is one body and one spirit, even if you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up in high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Captivity captive. That means that that fear of death and perishing and separation and all that, that was taken away and led captive because Jesus Christ came, sacrificed himself, went into the pits of hell and wrested the keys and took that away. Now that he ascended, what is but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up from above all heavens and that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of his ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we all have various gifts. It's um, the same thing as when I was driving commercially and I went all over the country. You have different ways. We're all on the same highway, brothers and sisters. We're all called to the same purpose, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, the truth, the knowledge and wisdom that he provides for us for the world. That's our purpose. It's all the same purpose. When I drove commercial trucks, I drove coast to coast and border to border. A lot of different highways and a lot of people traveling the same direction. You have to have a road map to get there. That is what the signs are for. Road signs. Sometimes there's detours. The road that God takes us on, the detour is the road. That's what we have to have faith in, okay? So the roads are all different. We're traveling in the same general direction, not all going to the same place as it is in the highway here. We're all heading to the East Coast, so we're all going and we're heading that direction. And then you've got the road map out and it guides you to where you're going. Well, God's road map is the Bible. It's the Word of God, the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And we have to have faith in that and faith in the fact that the detour is his road. So, brothers and sisters, that's all we have to do is have faith in God and listen to what God is telling us. And we're going to sit there and we're going to say, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Or, or how come that person is doing this and I'm not doing that? I want to do that. Well, brothers and sisters, that's because God already knows what's within you. And he might think that you're not able to handle that particular thing. But he's got you doing something that's equally as important. All things that we do are all important. It's not that one person is better above somebody else. Perhaps their ability, their capability, or their knowledge of a particular thing is more. And there's nothing wrong with that. Being ignorant is not being stupid. It just has a lack of information or a lack of knowledge. That's all that means. So people that use the word ignorant and stupidity synonymously are fools. Go to the book of Proverbs, you'll find out. But brothers and sisters, it's not anything bad. The gifts that God has for us are all equally important. And we have to remember, it's not about our glory, it's about his glory. So get over it. Go beyond it.
Step out in faith and stay true to the word. The ultimate goal and destination is the same. And here's the thing too. There's an old adage, and actually historically it's got a basis in things here, but it talks about all roads lead to Rome. Well, back in the day, the Roman Empire was the hubbub of everything. And the roads all did lead to Rome because it was a huge trade port and they were running all sorts of things. So it was important. And pretty much all roads did ultimately lead to Rome. You could go from any direction and ultimately if you were following your map and traveling in the right direction, you would end up in Rome. And it's true. Ultimately, all roads did lead to Rome. So, I'm sharing all this for a reason, brothers and sisters, that we have to remember that everything that we do, everything that we have, we have to step out in boldness with God. Don't surrender to the minions. They don't have the authority to take, but only carry away what is given away. Follow his leading. And he more fully, he'll develop uh, my gifts, your gifts. He'll help nurture those and grow those. The more that we step out and the more that we hold on, the more that we follow, that's going to be developed. You have the engineers and the, the scientists that were in the space program. They studied the plans and equations constantly to ensure that, that everything goes well. So, brothers and sisters, what's the difference? Stay in the Word, stay in the plan, study what God has planned for us, and our faith will, incrow, will grow and increase, brothers and sisters. It will. God promises that he's going to develop that in us. And it's the truth. It's very important that we, we develop that, brothers and sisters. And it's also very important that we follow that and that we have to give up on the notion to please mammon, anybody around us. And, and that's what I do. Like I tell you all the time, if you're not happy with what I'm saying, I, I don't care. Your validation is not so important to me. I would like you to like what I'm saying. I would like you to listen more fully to what I share. But the validation is not yours to give to me. It's my Father God's that validates me and makes what I do of import, not your validation. So this I share not to be uh, hurtful, but just to be truthful. I don't care. It's God's validation that is important. And he will bless those that do that. Do not be so concerned with pleasing everyone around you. Be concerned about pleasing God. That's what we need to do. And he will bless those around us by the light that you emanate and reflect out by your what we do and how we do. And he'll give life back to our dry bones. Our dry bones that we surrender and we pout and we wonder why we're not doing like somebody else. Well, as I shared, that's not for us. 
but here's uh, here. This is I love this by by David. Uh, Psalm forty two. As a heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for the living God. When shall I come and appear for God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is thy God? And when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise. Well, the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Brothers and sisters, I just got done sharing that with you. I go to church and I see people downcast, sad and mopey, dopey in their face. They look terrible. You're in the house of God. You enter his gates with thanksgiving. So here Psalm is, here David is writing about that in the Psalms. His soul is seeking for the water, the living waters, brothers and sisters, that we have. And he talks about his, why is his soul, why are you disquieted in me? I'm here in church, I'm here worshiping, and it's a holy day. It's coming here to worship God, which he did, but yet he's downtrodden. Why? And it is. And here it is in 42, verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Therein is the answer, brothers and sisters. Why are you downtrodden? Because you're listening to that tactician that's gotten into your mindset. Remember I share that with you, brothers and sisters. Your mindset must be renewed. It is that mindset that he keeps attacking and attacking. And Psalms 34, I, I love this, is important. I will bless the Lord all at all times, as praise shall continually be in my mouth. So, brothers and sisters, this is an important thing that we need to do. And in doing that, we will also not make it comfortable for those minions to stay around. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear the praise to God. They want to hear praises to Beelzebub, to Lucifer, to Satan, to the liar, to the accuser. They want to hear praises to him, his darkness and all that thing. But rebuke that, rebuke them and stay in the light and praise the Lord God Almighty. You have to remember this too, brothers and sisters, that the demons, uh, most of the demons that that Satan has running around were angels at one time. So they are familiar with scripture. They also recognize things of the Bible. They recognize authority. They recognize God. They recognize Jesus Christ. And when 
when Jesus went through, and, and a very prime example is when he alit from the boat and went out and there was the madman that was running through the tombs naked. Remember the first encounter? Jesus didn't walk up and put his hand out and say, hey, you naked, crazy guy, I'm Jesus Christ. I came over here to talk to you. Get over here. It wasn't like that. He just stepped out of the boat and walked on the shore. And what did the demon, what did the, that man do? He came and threw himself down at his feet. And the demon spoke and said, Jesus Christ, what have thou to do with us? We know who you are. And then Jesus Christ commanded to reveal their name and it said, we are legions for we are many. And he cast those demons out of that man. They knew his authority. The authority of Jesus Christ preceded him. He didn't need an introduction. That authority preceded him into those things. And when you walk with the light of Jesus Christ emanating from you, people will see it and they will recognize that something is different. Brothers and sisters, we also have to be brave enough to be a peculiar people. That requires bravery and courage, brothers and sisters, because when you walk in that light, you will be shining out as different from this darkened world and those that have chosen to follow this walk of Satan, to walk in darkness, to follow derision, because this is what he drives, derision, the wedge of derision, beginning in families, then it's racial casting, then it's just castes in general, castes being the level of who's and has and who has and who has not. The casteism in many countries are that way. You have India that, that is developed on a casteism. You have some countries in the Middle East that are that way. If you don't have a certain level, you're only relegated to work a certain place. And then if you have a little bit more, then you can work someplace else. And then if you have a little bit more, then you can be a little bit higher. Then if you have a certain level, you don't have to do anything. Everybody works for you and you just vacuum in money. There are countries that actually operate that way. Sadly, that's, um, <laughs> although this is supposed to be a capitalist country, that's, uh, you know, it's, anyway, I don't want to get into that. I just desire to be in the word of God. But we are going to show ourselves how to be peculiar and different because when we are really a bright light, the darkness is pushed back. And from the fringes of the light, they can see that something is different. Brothers and sisters, I am so blessed by Father God when I am on my job that I have people that ask me why I am so different. Why, what makes me different? Why am I so different? I may have shared this with you. I pretty much believe I did. That uh, when I first started that I had individuals that were telling me that I was going to be run off and I was going to quit, in particular because I was in a certain area. And I'm still here. I'm still doing. And I used to have, and, and those folks have adopted me. <laughs> and they, I would have them constantly asking me, why am I different? And I'd ask, I said, what are you talking about? And they would complain even about those that were 
like them. And I, I hate to get into the coloration thing because so many people become offended by it. But if you look for a fence, you're going to find it so too bad. So they would tell me, you said, even, even the black drivers, they treat us so poorly. Why are you different? I'm a Native American. I have light colored skin. I don't follow the Hippocrywood um, stereotypical Native Americans with the really long, straight, jet black hair and the very dark complexion. My complexion is, is olive and I do have facial hair. My ancestry comes from Northeast Woodlands, which is very cold. Um, it's not out in the plains and out in the desert. It's very different. So... I may not look like the the typical Native American, but I am. Just like Eskimos don't either, but they are. Um, so at any rate, they asked me what makes them so different. I said, because the Bible tells me I'm supposed to be. And they look at me and they give me a tilt of the head like my dogs do when they're trying to understand what I'm saying. So I continue. I said, my Lord tells me that I need to treat you with respect. And love you because you're my brother and sister. And then they smile. And they said, yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. And then they go sit down. They're happy. They're pleased. And then when I come back, and they're still happy and pleased. And they love to ride with me. And they love to ask me questions. And many I have given the opportunity to pray with. And that's not to elevate myself or to vaunt myself above anything or anyone else. That is to glorify God because God brings him to me. And I've asked him, bless me so that I can bless others. And he does that. He brings me people. And by my praying with them or sharing with them or giving to them something, anything that I have to do, it blesses me. Bless me to bless others. And I remind them that that blessing comes from God. When they tell me, oh, thank you so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, look, God's using me as a conduit to deliver that to you. God bless me to bless you. And I remind them and tell them that that's where it comes from. So brothers and sisters, are we going to continue being these dry bones or are we going to listen to what God tells and teaches them and that we are going to be his children and be the way that we're supposed to be. So I shared that part with you, brothers and sisters, that it is important that we are that thing that we're called to do, that that gift that everyone has and that we're all sharing with each other and that we all share with everyone else and that we have to be righteous and truthful. Philippians 2, 15 and 16. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So, brothers and sisters, that we're not doing all these things just for nothing? We're not. This purpose and our purpose and what we're called to do 
is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Vanity is that we don't do anything. We just sit back on our haunches, complacent, and shrug our shoulders and don't do anything. And there are many, I'm telling you, and I'll say it again, there are many that decide to be that way. They want to be back in the hovel. They want to pull their stone over their entryway. They don't want to do anything. I'm saved. What do I need to do anything else for? Yeah, okay. What a selfish attitude. Yeah, you heard me and I'll say it again. And I'll emphasize the word. What a selfish attitude. We are called to be selfless, not selfish. So if you're content to just sit back on your haunches in your chair drink your cup of coffee and watch a TV and every once in a while you'll talk to somebody from the church but you don't share or talk with anyone, you don't pray with anyone at your work, you don't share the word with anyone at your work you just stay to yourself go to work, go home once in a while you go to church you don't belong to any group, you don't belong to anything, you don't share the word of God with anybody you just go to work and come home That's selfishness, brothers and sisters, plain and simple. And you say, like I've had so many say, I got mine. I got mine. What do I need to do anything for? Oh, my goodness gracious. I used to listen to that where I was working before some of the senior individuals that had been there for. I got mine. What do I need to help the younger guys for? What do I need to show them for? And I used to, you know, see, I belonged to an organization that was all about teamwork. United States Marine Corps. And our thing was that we don't leave anybody behind. You got to grab them and help them up. You hoist them up, you pull them along. And that's kind of what I'm used to doing and had developed an attitude like the rest of the world for a while. And I am so glad that God has turned me around, taken me by the base of my left ear like my mom used to do and walked me along. (laughs) But it's very important that we remember to be like that. And brothers and sisters, um, it's also very important to remember and that uh, I want to make sure I get this right. And First John 1, 4 through 7. And these, thing, these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Brothers and sisters, don't say that you do it and then don't because that makes you a liar. And it's right there in the word of God. I'm not, I'll pull the trigger. I'll aim downrange and I'll pop that trigger. If it offends you, like I said, I don't look for your validation. My validation comes from God. As long as the Holy Spirit leads me through this word that I share with you all, and he points me to these scriptures and he takes me, I'm gonna speak the truth. And it's only about the truth, not to glorify myself, but to glorify God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right there, John said it right there. If you're going to tell people that you're doing that, and then you don't, and you treat others differently, 
and you look down on them because of the color of their skin or how much money they have and you don't share anything with them at all, the word of God, the truth, anything, you just pretty much ignore them. And I want to make sure that I don't do that and I catch myself in going through too fast and not acknowledging anyone's existence. People like to be acknowledged and know that they exist. And if you fail to do that, and you're saying that you are, you're a liar. Don't be a liar. Be a truth teller. Speak the truth. Be bold. Stand up in the truth. And God calls us and tells us that we are and a peculiar people. Don't be afraid to be different than other people. Be bold in his walk. Step out in the light. Be a bright light shining. Reflect that. Remember I shared with you that refracted light is more bright than straight beam light. That's why they have reflectors and headlights on automobiles. That's why they have reflectors and a flashlight around the side. And you think that that oil lamp that used to be the lighthouse was just that oil flame flickering up there that was that bright that could be seen clear out in the ocean? No, it's because they had polished surfaces that were behind it so that it reflected the light and shone out into the ocean. Those could be seen for miles out into the dark ocean. If none of you have ever been out on the ocean before, on a ship, a small boat, whatever, and you're traveling out there and you have all the lights, it's pretty dark out there. You have no overhead lights. You have nothing overhead. It's pretty dark, even with a full moon. The full moon helps. But if you've ever been out on the ocean in a new moon or a dark night, it's dark. And it can be somewhat intimidating. And then you see it. That light, the lighthouse, the beacon of hope that shows you your safe haven. Ah, there is what I'm looking for. So brothers and sisters, let's be that safe haven for people to come to. Come to the word of God. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to share with you finally and then going to let you, I, you know, my verbosity, I can't help it. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy, the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And brothers and sisters, you know what the armor of God is. Take on that. Be that beacon of hope, that light of encouragement that draws folks to the safe haven. And what is that safe haven? Jesus Christ. Father God Almighty, so that we can all have the opportunity to live life, live life more abundantly, and to spend eternity in heaven. And uh, share briefly with you here, my brother passed away um, yesterday, mid-morning. He was trying to be strong and trying to stay holding on, but... um, 
my other brother had not my my third eldest had an opportunity to pray with him. And we were all raised in the church, and we all know. Um, but my brother Kenneth told my brother, he says, God can heal me or he can take me home. I'm ready either way. And that was a good thing, and I prayed for him all the time, and that was encouraging to me. I didn't have an opportunity to... Um, be around him a lot, just distance and traveling wise and and some other things were going on. Um, But prayed for him constantly as I do for you. My going out and my coming in, I I pray for you all the time. And that was truly an answer to prayers because he said, hey, I know God can heal me or he can take me home. I'm ready either way. And that was a good thing. So now he's with my mom and dad, my grandma, my grandpa, some of my uncles and all that up there and um, other people. And they're all going to know in fellowship. And their reunion, I know, was really huge. And he's made new, all things made new, younger and stronger and really doing well. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I encourage you. And and I know I get... uh, I get kind of verbose when I get into the Word of God and and it's a hard thing here. I've, I've gone almost an hour. And um, But that's just the way it is, brothers and sisters. I cannot help sharing the Word of God. The nice thing about this is that it is a recording, so pausing is also available. You have a blessed day, brothers and sisters.